0: you're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message.
1: The privilege and the honor to introduce to you, um, our speaker today, and, um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to have both of them stand up, uh, but Clint and Sarah Byers, would you guys stand up? This is Sarah, Clint's lovely wife, and she's here with us today. And, uh, you know, Clint. Clint and I have been friends for you. Can, you can start moseying up this way. Come on, uh, Clint and I have been friends for—I mean, serious friends—for probably 15 years. We were just talking about this at coffee the other day, trying to figure out when we met each other and all that. But uh, 15 years, and then 20 years, probably acquaintances. And uh, the the whole time I've known Clint, he has just been a a, a source of wisdom, uh, of wisdom, uh, wealth in in kingdom knowledge and. Uh, man, he's been through some of the same processes I've been through. And uh, just been really good sounding board for me as I've grown and as I've moved forward in the kingdom and in the process of... Man, I remember when I first got the word that I should start a church. I think I called Clint and I said, man, I'm scared to death to do this. And, and Clint was there just in Kurt, And we all said, finally. <laughs> Yeah, and it just encouraging me, and said, "Hey, you can do it." And I remember when Clint first started his church; he started out of his home. Uh, Terry and I came and supported for, uh, for a short period of time, and uh, man, it was just—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's awesome to see where we've all come in—in in such a short. It seems like a, it seems like a long time, but it feels like a short period of time. So, uh, but anyway. Clint Byers, really good friend of mine, pastor, author, teacher. You guys are going to be absolutely blessed. Let's give him a round of applause, okay? Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Yeah,
2: Let me just tell you, that is an anointed uh, intermission break because I drank more coffee than normal this morning. So that was like that was good timing. Appreciate you, man. That was some really great worship. And you you were hitting on what's your name? Craig, you were hitting on kind of where I want to go with assignments today, so uh, we'll get there. But uh, don't, you, don't you just love these guys? I'm telling you, if there's anybody that has a pastoral heart, it's Chris and Terry, but Chris specifically, uh, both of you, obviously. But I, I know a lot of pastors. I'm a uh, part of a couple of different ministers networks, and we've been doing this for a while, so we met, you know, met a lot of people, met a lot of pastors. This guy probably has the biggest heart for people. Right? And, and he wears his emotions on his sleeve, so don't text stop to him anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 Just stay on the list. You just stay on the list. Uh and and it'll be fine. But you know, so I hear I hear the worship, I hear what you guys are saying in your prayer. I've known Chris, we've talked a lot, you know, and it, it's so great that there are churches based on the goodness of God, based on the fact that God is good and only good, and and are seeking to actually spread the gospel, the good news, right? Bringing people into the understanding that there actually is a new covenant, that in that new covenant, you're complete in Christ, that in that new covenant, in your spirit, you're already perfect. You're not trying to become anything, right? Amen? It used to be where you had to relate to God based on external expectations that were written in stone and written in parchment, But now God has recreated you to the kind of being where internally you know exactly how to follow him and obey him from the heart because you've been joined to him. And there's not a lot of churches out there that are teaching this stuff. There's a lot of people writing books about it. There's a lot of ministers that are traveling and preaching about it. But I'll just tell you, there's not a lot of churches founded on the fact of the goodness of God. And like like what your youth pastor was saying... And these kids, how great is it that these kids aren't going to have to grow up and undo all that performance-centered religion? Amen? I mean, if you, if you gather just for the kids alone, it's worth it because those kids are not going to have to go through all their hang-ups. I wasn't, in, I wasn't raised in church. I got saved from a bad acid trip. Heard, <laughs> heard, heard, I was possessed, as it possibly gets. My religion was sitting up on my rooftop in Tyrone, Georgia, which our church is forward church, by the way we 've been pulling for you guys from the south side of Atlanta for since y 'all started, but I, seriously i 'd go we never went to church. My dad was a successful business guy, and he was a bookie on the side, and I grew up you know actually getting high with my dad and and all his friends were drug dealers and, and it was just a wild upbringing. Nobody ever witnessed to me. I think I went to church maybe a dozen times before I was 21 years old. My grandfather was at a Methodist church, so we'd go there a couple of times. So I count that as a win because I, didn't have to, I don't have to undo all this stuff. So I, I feel sorry for you guys that grew up in church. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean, right? You know what I mean. Because you don't have to undo all that stuff. But listen, I'm telling you. That's what people need from you. The fact that there's a world out there that doesn't know how good God is. The fact that you're in here week after week getting sewn into by people that know the goodness of God, people that are gonna reaffirm to you your identity in Christ, help you step out in this power that's alive on the inside of you, live from your completed spirit to show the world who God really is. And it's what we're supposed to be doing. And it's why I appreciate coming up here I don't travel much. I don't particularly care for it. I'm a local pastor. I love being with our people. I will travel. I feel like now that our kids are older, it's going to be a little bit more of our calling to go into other churches. But, um, you know, I, I appreciate your heart because, you know, the, the world is supposed to know that we follow Jesus by our love for one another. Now, I'm not saying that all the churches are going to get together and we're all going to believe the same thing. That's just never going to happen, right? So coming into the unity of the faith To experience maturity is about recognizing that we have one Father in His true character and nature. And there are people out there that have been, you know, the the reason people are leaving the church is because they don't know how good God is. They've never been taught. They've never been shown what the goodness of God does in the hearts of His followers amongst each other. And and more than anything, more than the miracles, more than your capacity to reason with them and give them uh, illustrations and even show them scripture... How you live your life is the greatest witness. You know, you want to be an effective witness? Learn how to love. Forgive and love yourself. Forgive and love others. Walk in it. Make it public. And then the world will say, "Mm, I don't know about that six-day creation thing, and I'm not really sure about all those animals on that boat thing, but I see the way that these people are loving each other. I see the way that my neighbors had a conflict, and they're believers, and now they handled it, and they walked in love, and mm, I, I'm kind of looking for that. In fact, I'm kind of broken and starving for something like that. That's what people are looking for, and you carry it. You get told all the time that you're kingdom carriers, and you are. Amen? Do y'all say amen here? Okay. <laughs> I mean, we are in Georgia. So I want to talk to you. I want to talk to your spirit. I want to talk to who you are in Christ. Like like when I preach, I want to talk to the completed reality of who you are so that you will put that on in your mind and then begin to live from that. Because that, that is the journey for the believer. The journey for the believer, well, there's lots of journeys, but specifically to experience transformation and live in your true identity. The journey for the believer is to take what is already completed on the inside Get your heart in alignment with it. Renew your mind so that you put on the new man and you live in that. You live with God. Amen. God is not over there on the other side of your circumstance looking at it, trying to, you know, waiting for you to say the right thing to get him to come into it. He's right beside you. He's joined to you. He's linked to you. You know, in Isaiah 53 and 54, great prophetic passages about what would happen on the cross. Isaiah 54 goes into where he starts talking about this covenant of peace that we have with God. This, this reality that God will no longer be angry with you. God will no longer rebuke you. God will no longer hold your sins against you for those in Christ. Amen. Now, unfortunately, there's a group of people out there that hear something like that, and they think that you're saying that it's okay to continue in sin. And what I have to say to those people is grow up. I mean, really, you, you really think that's what we're trying to tell people is it's okay to sin? Now, unfortunately, there are some immature believers that wake up to righteousness, wake up to the new covenant and, you know, make poor decisions, but you have immaturity in, in any and everything. So as I'm, as I'm talking to you today, I'm looking at who you are in Christ. I'm looking at the completed person. I'm not worried about your sin. I'm not worried about your failure. I'm not worried about your debt. There's plenty of time for you to figure that stuff out. And the fact, the, the, the more that you believe who you are in Christ, the more your heart will be receptive to his wisdom, and then you will just naturally make the decisions in agreement with how he wants to lead you. You are hardwired now to follow God. You just are. You know, in fact, it's possible to live where you're not second-guessing every decision that you make. Be nice, wouldn't it? I don't mean to call you out, but you—you you set yourself up on that one. Then. Is that Toto the band, or is that like some other? It's a toilet. It's a toilet. <laughs> 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 y'all are fun yeah, so, so any struggle you have any, any element of your life where you're not experiencing the promises of God any, any element of what Christ paid for you to have if Jesus paid for it it's yours now Healing, provision, wisdom, all the stuff that he is for us, it's yours now. And you don't have to try to figure out what you're doing wrong for him to leave you in this lax situation and then figure out what to do right. And it's not even about getting more faith to get him to move. Faith is not what you do. Listen to this. Faith is not what you do to get God to respond to you. Faith is your response to what God has already done in Christ. So, so faith is to convince your own heart of what Christ has already done on the inside of you. And listen, I'm telling you, the more you believe that, the more you will just naturally step into life to follow him without even thinking about it. Your heart will just lead you into that situation, which is why you should stay out of sin. Because it hardens your heart. You know, he's not mad at you about it. But he's looking at you going,
0: mm,
2: you know, you're you're making it hard for yourself. Stop. I'm not a good counselor because my counseling is stop it and grow up. (laughs) You guys seen that Bob Newhart video? Stop it. I feel you, I feel you, yeah. I don't care what it is. I don't care... If you've had this lifelong thing, if you have 33rd degree masons in every lineage of your bloodline, I don't care if you had a witch sacrificing children in your home. The enemy has no right in your life. You don't have to run around chasing all these things to try to figure out where the open doors are. You got to deal with that stuff. You might have to run some demons off, but you know how you defeat the enemy? You just stand and he gets tired and he quits. I'm kind of hovering. We're going to see where we're going. How many of you want to do the thing that God has called you to do? Everybody's hand should go up. Let me ask you this be honest. How many of you know exactly what that is? Look around. Yeah, see, a lot less hands. In fact, the ones that were up like this are like this now. And that's not an indictment. It's not an indictment. But but let me maybe give you some good news about assignments and calling, you know. We've made calling a bullseye. You know, imagine a dartboard over there. And you got, you trying to hit this perfect bullseye every time as if there's one specific thing that you're supposed to do with your life. And if you don't do that one specific thing, then you're a failure. Now there are specific assignments that God has for you, but your purpose, let let me just tell you your purpose. In other words, the reason you are alive is not related to your calling, Y'all are nodding. That's good. A lot of people don't know that. The reason you're alive is to be a child of God. Yeah. Come on. Like, you don't have to justify your existence by doing something for God. But once you know who you are in him, that's all you want to do is serve him, right? Yeah. And there's so much freedom in it. There's so much liberty in it. There's so much lightness. Jesus said, you know, are you sick and tired of religion? Come on, walk with me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Am I confirming stuff you've been saying? No. Oh. She,
1: she, said, she said, "Well, I'm going
2: to the beach." I'm going, I'm going to the beach. To the beach. Hey, listen, <laughs> listen. That's what it should do. It's like, oh man, thank goodness I don't have to wear myself out trying to prove my existence or why I'm sucking air on this planet. <laughs> I'm telling you, people. People feel such like failures because you don't know what you're supposed to do for God. And so we pray. And we're honest and sincere about it. Most of you, if Jesus appeared right in front of you and he said, this is what I want you to do, you would do it. You wouldn't even question it. But, but, and, that, and that may be the reality, the context that we're in with him in terms of him wanting us to do something. Because there are assignments, but let me just tell you, I and I, I wrote this whole book, uh, and, and I'll—I didn't even bring any. I should have brought some with me, but um, I'll email it. And maybe you guys can spread it around. the the ebook version. But I, it's not a bad question, God. What do you want me to do? But it it frames a performance centered mindset, and it kind of puts us in an external position to try to figure things out. And it's not really from the heart. It's not really from the place of. I, I get to be me because you know, you hear the old joke. It's like, don't tell God what you don't like. Cause that's what he's going to send you to do. You know, I'm sure y'all don't teach that here, but that, that's, that's kind of like an old, old joke. But so here's a suggestion. Rather than asking, uh, what am I supposed to do? You answer the question in your heart. Who do you love? So rather than identifying a task to accomplish, identify people that your heart breaks for like just think about it for a minute who is it in your world in your life that you look at you look at the condition of culture you look at the condition of the planet at the world and you think man I'd really love to be able to help these people we do a lot of work in Kenya actually where are you from in Kenya where's home Oh, Nairobi, yeah, so you're right in the center there. We do a lot of work up in, like, down near Homa Bay and then up in the rural Pakot region where where people, you know, are hiking eight hours a day for water and they just stop and give their, have their babies right there on the trail. And it's crazy. You can't imagine that people still live this way in the rural parts of, uh, of Kenya. Uh, so anyway, side note, I'll tell you a story. One time I was doing a mission trip in Kenya. I've been over there a bunch of times. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing how these people live, no water, huh? Uh, Yeah, it's crazy, but I'm, I'm, I'm out there and it's nighttime and it's, you know, it's a different hemisphere. So you're looking up and it's foreign sky and you're hearing the chatter going on. You don't understand a lick of what they're saying, but it just, it's great. You just, it just feels amazing. Right. And you're looking around and, and so I'm like, I gotta go to the bathroom and, but they have these encampments where they have the acacia bushes and these little narrow slits to walk through. And what I didn't know is you don't go through those at night and go outside. And I'm walking around, I'm looking, I'm like, man, it's a, it's light. It's a full moon. And, I'm, and I, so I go outside of this area and, and I hear audibly light. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I look back and I'm like, these people don't need lights. They don't even have flashlights. I, 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 I'm, I'm fine. I can walk. I hike. I camp all the time. I, I don't need a light. I'm good. And so I take two or three more steps, and then I hear light. I'm like, okay, yeah, light. Maybe I, and so I had a headlamp, and I turned it on, and about four more steps in front of me was a black mamba. And it was probably about six feet stretched out. And it was a narrow trail about this wide, and I, it wasn't like I was going to vary one way or the other. you talking D-E-D dead. Because <laughs> I probably would have stepped on it. They are very aggressive. God knew that, and he's like, well, look at this dummy right here. <laughs> he's like, he ain't listening, so I better make it a little bit louder. But I say that to make the point, you know, oftentimes we try to hear the voice of God and we hear these amazing stories that's happened maybe once or twice in my life, but I'm not looking to hear God that way. So let me bring it down into this idea of hearing and following God. You hear God better than you think that you do. You do. I'm telling you, in fact, you probably follow God better accidentally than you do on purpose. (laughs) And if you could pop on over to that other side and look back at all the times you followed God and you didn't even know, you'd be shocked. And I say that to kind of demystify the hearing God and following God process. Now, it's great to hear God. It's great to pray and get a message and it's accurate and then you put that into practice. I'll just say, I'm just being honest, I don't trust myself enough to try to hear God that way consistently, right? Uh, in fact, if I get a word, I want it to confirm what I feel like God's already speaking on the inside of me. I I, I want it to be birthed out of this intimate relationship that I have with the father. Cause I've nurtured the word in my heart of made sure that my motivation is love toward people. And then what just feels natural the next decision I want to live in such a way where I'm confident to just continue to lean that way and move that direction without second-guessing it because I'm confident that it's in the Word of God. It's wisdom. I'm not hearing a no. There's peace about it. And so I'm just going to keep on moving. I'm going to keep moving forward. Steady and slowly, I'm just going to keep moving forward. Now, it's great, all the gifts in action. I want to see all the gifts in action because the body needs all of that happening. But we better get really good at being confident in the word birthing wisdom on the inside of us that we live more out of that than externals. I mean, I'm telling you, we see these codependent situations in churches a lot of times where the culture is kind of refined in such a way where you're always looking outside for the externals. And then that's where you're like, okay, well, here comes this bird flying in from the northwest, and I think that might be about 12 degrees, and I'm wondering, does that mean this, and I should go look up verse 12? Well, that ain't making sense. Let me just open the Bible. And I know you guys are prophetic culture people, and so everything means something to most of y'all. And I'm not knocking that, what I'm saying is, make sure that coupled with that, you're nurturing the word of God on the inside of you. Because I'll, I'll tell you this, it's easier to hear God when you know the word of God. What you want to do is you want to give the written word the opportunity to become the living word. I'm just telling you. It, it, it's, it's, for me, I would rather make a wise decision that is rooted in peace in my heart then hear the audible voice of God. I'm just telling you, now you might, I didn't get as many amens on that one. That's just me. And, and now that's not me putting God in a box. It's just, this is my relationship. I, I trust the word of God to do a work inside of me. And when I say the word, I don't just mean the letters written on the page because what the letters are written on the page then became flesh. You know, that's what Jesus is. Jesus is the Logos of God become flesh. And so what does Logos mean? You know, and in, in like the Chinese Bible, it says if, in, in John chapter one, you know, where in English it says, uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then a little bit further down, it says, and the word became flesh. In the Chinese Bible, it says Tao, T-A-O, the Tao. And in that mindset, in that culture, The Tao is the way, and and they have a saying that once you can define the Tao, it's no longer the Tao, and so they kind of hold their understanding of the way of God with a little bit of an open hand, and the way in that culture is, uh, even in the non-Christian world, the Tao is is a, you know, Taoism, you've heard of Taoism, it's part of even Buddhism, and not from a religious perspective, but, but from a universal understanding of how things work perspective, it's interesting to look at it from an Eastern perspective. And I say that to say this, in that culture, in that mindset, the Tao or the way is the intelligence behind creation. So in other words, they look and they see, okay, well, we breathe out carbon dioxide. The trees take in carbon dioxide, give up, gives out oxygen. You know, that, that's one concept of the way, just, just the way things work. The logic of creation, the logic of uh, how, how the world is, even interrelationally. You know, if I'm holding things back and I'm not being upfront and honest, then that will produce this type of result. That's kind of the way manifesting in relationship. And so there's kind of this intelligence and a way behind everything. So there's the way or the logos of God. There's God's thinking. There's God's logic. There's God's reasoning processes. There's how God thinks about finances and relationships and just people in general. So you can look at the logos of God, who Jesus is, is how God thinks and how he understands everything and the integrity of something that he says, all of that came down into a person and took on flesh. So when you look at Jesus, you're looking at the wisdom of God in action. You're looking at what God thinks of being a human. You're looking at this is, this is the perfect representation of the invisible God. I can look at Jesus and I can know God. And that's what I appreciate so much about your good God. Focus is that you want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. Yes, even the wrathful uh, punishment side of, that needed to be acted upon, sin, you see that in Jesus too. You just see it on the cross. It's not that that side doesn't exist. It's just satisfied in Christ. So all of that to say, you are joined now to that wisdom and that logic. I If we really could grasp what kind of beings we are, oh man, the world would look a lot different, wouldn't it? We would walk around confident, knowing that we're following him, yes, walking in the power, but just showing people, wisely stepping into situations and being the voice that shows them who God is and speaking love and kindness and compassion and forgiveness into the situation being those examples, but yet we have all these traumas from our past. We have all these doubts because of our current failures. We have all of these issues that we see when we look in the mirror. There's cultural things that we're being told. We have an enemy that's trying to divide us from each other. I mean, we have everything in the world is working against us, but what if we just could put all that stuff off and see ourselves exactly who Christ sees us to be? And so the work is not trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. It's let me fully embrace who I am. And then as I step into life, I can just trust that I'm being led. I can trust that in my heart I've been made one with him. I don't think I finished my thought on Isaiah. I'm jumping all around here. I'm preaching like 12 sermons in one. So I hope you're following me. (laughs) But the end goal that I want to leave you with out of here is that you hear God better than you think that you do. Stay out of sin because you're hardening your sensitivities of hearing God. And then know the word. The more you know the word, the better you'll hear him and the more confidence you'll have to follow him. If I could just say it all in a nutshell, that's what we're talking about. But I want to just give you a little bit more insight. Let me, let me actually read this for you. You know, when Jesus, do you, do you guys have scripture? Um, let's see. I'm actually just going to go to Colossians 2.11. Do I'm sure you have it up back there, or you have a, I didn't give it to him ahead of time, but as you're finding that, you know, when Jesus was getting ready to get out of here and he was prepping for his arrest and prepping to go to the cross, right before in John 14, 15, 16, 17, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and he describes the Spirit as a being that we would have a relationship with. He will teach you, you, you can pull that down for just a second. But so in, when Jesus talks about the, the Holy Spirit, Oh, man, I got so many things. You know, it's more important for the Holy Spirit to be here than for Jesus to be here. He's getting ready to go, and he said, it's expedient. In other words, it's the most important thing that could happen is that I leave. Now, he could still be here. He was here for 40 days after his resurrection in a body, walked around, ate, spoke, walked with his, his disciples, taught them everything that the, the law and the prophets and the Psalms said about the Messiah on that journey, you know, he could still be here. Uh, how, how amazing would that be? Like if Jesus is like doing a tour, <laughs> like he shows up at the, the uh, not Georgia Dome, but the bins to preach, you know, <laughs> like that could happen. He could do that. He walked around and he showed himself to his disciples. But he said, it's more important that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. Why? Why is it more important for the Holy Spirit to be here than for Jesus bodily to be here? You guys say out a couple of answers. Why? Why is it more important for the Holy Spirit to be here than Jesus to be here? He knows the depths of God. It's more important for him to abide in you. A few more. We're all walking Jesus' we're all walking Jesus's den. I like it. Anybody else? He wants, a friend, not a friend. he wants friends, not fanboys. <laughs> all those are right, you know. I mean, it's because now you have him on the inside of you. And I don't understand. This is one of those mysteries, one of those spiritual mysteries. Apparently only one of them can be here at a time. I don't really understand because he said I got to go so he can come. But he said it, so I believe it. And the fact is he lives on the inside of you. Now, the relationship is this. Isaiah 54, when he describes what this new covenant was going to be like after Isaiah 53, what Jesus accomplished on the cross, he describes the kind of relationship that he being God, that his people now would have with him. And he describes a marriage. And he describes a wife that he goes after and restores the relationship. And we know that. We know that we're the body of Christ. But he uses this word, betrothed. Think about that. Probably the most intimate type of relationship that exists. That's how God describes his relationship with us. We are betrothed to him. And marriage between a man and a woman is a mystery that reflects our relationship with the Father. We become one with him. We become joined to him. Now, it's great to know that. Praise God that you know that intellectually. But to live out of the reality of that so that you're actually making decisions that he would lead you to make. And you're putting into practice his wisdom. And it's not an external process. It's a confidence just... Confidently living, knowing, not doubting everything that you do. And, and the, the more you nurture that relationship, the more you nurture the word of God, the more it produces fruit and the more it uh, gives you that confidence. Here's the thing. It's already true. You can't do anything to make it more true. You can just renew your mind to allow what's been done in your spirit to affect every other aspect of your being. Amen. So let me just read this passage to you. You can pull this up. Colossians, I'm going to read two eleven through fifteen, and then chat a little bit more, and then we've got this little exercise. Colossians two eleven, in him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So this is God doing this. Uh, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised you from the dead, you were dead in your sin, but now you are alive in Christ, verse 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you. All say, I'm forgiven. forgiven. All. Your trespasses, He's not holding them against you anymore. Now, does that make you want to run out and sin? If you said yes, then, you know, come see Pastor Chris. He'll get you to grow it. <laughs> having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he's taken it out of the way. In other words, the law for righteousness. Having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. Done. Stripped them all having made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, let's go back to verse 11. And I want to make this final point on this idea right here. So, you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So, we all know circumcision, something's removed, right? Now, there is a spiritual circumcision that happened to you and in you. And what was removed was this body of the sin's of the flesh. You with me? He cut something out of you. He cut out of you the body of the sins of the flesh or the body of flesh. There's different translations say it different ways, but the operative word here that he cut out is flesh. And the Greek word for flesh is sarx, S A R X. There's two applications of that word. In, in in every language you can apply different words. You could say, man, it's cool in here. And what do you mean? Like it looks cool, or it's actually a little bit cool. Or it's hot in here. It's more of that way, it's hot, right? Anyway, so sarks is the same way. It has two applications, and there are these great things called concordances, which will show you every passage that those particular words are used in, and it will show you which application for which passage. There are two definitions for sarks for flesh. One is this body. Right? And then the other one is the mere human nature that was opposed to God and prone to sin. The mere human nature that was opposed to God and prone to sin was cut away. That means it's unnatural for you to desire sin now. It's natural for you to desire righteousness. It's natural for you to hear and obey and follow God because he's removed the propensity towards sin out of you and he's put his new spirit on the inside of you. He's done this. If you would jump to Ezekiel 36, I said the last point, but this is the last point. I'm a preacher, so I can say that right. Ezekiel 36, 26. Sorry, I put him on the spot back there. Where are we going for lunch? I'm just kidding. All right, I'll just start reading. Here we go. Ezekiel 36, 26. This is a prophecy about the coming new covenant. He says, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land I gave your forefathers. You shall be my people and I'll be your God. He does a work on the inside of you that changes you into the kind of being that just knows how to follow God. The more that you believe that about yourself, the less you'll question all your decisions. The more you continue to entertain sin in your mind and in your soul and even in your physical body, and you make it a practice of giving in to those physical desires rather than those new heart desires. That, that's the battle, right? The battle is quiet the flesh, the physical body, which, by the way, a side point, this physical flesh, it's not inherently evil. It's, it's not constantly craving sin and to do wrong. It only does that if in your mind you entertain lust and sin to the point that it births an inappropriate desire in your body that you then crave it. If you host righteousness and your true identity inwardly, you'll crave righteousness. You'll crave holiness, not to become, but to just live it out because that's who you already are. In the face of sin, in the face of failure, in the face of whatever it is, doubt, if you start to begin to rehearse to yourself who you are in Christ and what he's done, and not just... Think about it, but feel it. See yourself in that situation, actually changing, actually handling it a different way. You know, there's a thing that you can do, uh, rehearse imagination, in any type of situation, and the body is actually wired physically to respond. Your body doesn't know the difference between imagination and an actual event. So you can m- imagine and rehearse righteousness inwardly in the areas that you're struggling And your body starts to believe it, which then conditions you to make the right decisions. Because you already are the righteousness of God in Christ, but your brain doesn't think that way. And maybe in your soul you have desires that go a different way. You host the fact, say fact, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. To the point that you believe it in your heart, then it becomes possible. Then you live it out. Not to become, but to bear the fruit of it because it's just who you are you're hardwired to follow him you hear god better than you think that you do you hear him all the time that book when god is silent is a lie god's never silent he's always speaking he's always leading he's always guiding he's always guiding in consistency with what christ paid for and it's easier than you think The more you know who you are, the more you know the word, the more confident you are in what he's done, the more you just naturally follow him. And then that's where a culture like this is super powerful. Somebody hears a word and it verifies and you're like, oh, yeah, no, now. And it's not that you're looking for that, but it verifies. And I'm not saying that every single word you get is going to confirm, but for the most part, it can. Amen. And it's just easy, easy. You want to, you guys want to do a little exercise? All right, just get comfortable, relax for a minute, take a deep breath. We're almost done. And I just want you to look around the room. You see this cool logo up here, the screen. You see the speakers. You see everything that's going on up here. And, and just look, look around the room. Everybody look back there for just a minute. Look back there, see the open door, see the skyline back there. So you're taking snapshots in your mind, right? You're seeing what the room looks like. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold that picture, but close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. If you, you don't have to close your eyes if you don't want to. Now, in your memory, I want you to see the room. You see the screen up there with the logo. You see the speakers. You're looking around. You can see the room. Now, I want you to see this door up in the front open, and then you see Jesus walk in the room. He walks right up to the front. He looks right at you. He walks right over to you and you looking at his face, you look at his mouth and you recognize he's about to speak and he opens his mouth and he starts speaking and you listen. Now, if you saw nothing, totally fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Not a problem. Don't worry about it. How many of you, though, you did see something? You did see him come walking in the room? Yeah, a lot of people. Now, how many of you heard him or saw him or just connected with some type of message from him? A lot of you, yeah. Now, that was super fast, just kind of threw you right into it. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you, he said something, that was actually meaningful to something going on in your life right now? Yeah, almost everybody that raised their hand that they saw something. Are you kidding me? Like that, that fast, you actually heard something that was meaningful? Now, now think about this. Is it something that you can actually put into practice? And then one more, does anybody want to be a brave soul and, and share what you felt like he said to you? that's meaningful to you and we can just maybe a couple more minutes would we'll just open it up cause it's encouraging oftentimes for people to hear. So if you do feel like you want to share, you can lift up your hand. Yep. Go ahead. I'll bring you the microphone. Now, this is not your opportunity to preach. Just listen. <laughs> um, I, uh,
0: in a, in the season leading up to this place, um, my wife and I, we made choices um, just to pursue um, what we felt like God was, um, the direction God was taking us. Um, and it cost us financially. Um, and one of the prayers that I had going into it was like, God, please don't let this cost us financially. <laughs> um, but it did. Um, and I think that there was a buildup where I got to this place where it's like, was frustrated with God, um, and 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 he just whispered in like in the peak of my frustration. He whispered, "Am I enough?" And um, of all the things that I'm dreaming for, and all the visions that we have, and what we're expecting from God, um, that message like, is he enough? And you know, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, God, you're enough. But you know, having to let that drop down into my heart. So when the door opened and Jesus came, um, I just saw him um, and his message to me was, I love you so much and I'm going to take care of you. Um, just just hold me, just abide in me and I'm going to take care of you. Because um, in, in reality, you know, financially, there is no place that's too far for him to redeem and there's no step that I have to take that's too far um, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Anyway, that was it.
2: That's good. That's good. So so would you say that that's what you needed to hear? All right. Who else? Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys to make it quick and just give us the Cliff's Notes. You know what Cliff's Notes are?
0: <laughs> no, I'm not going to preach. The one thing he said, I will guide you. Oh. Then I listened, and this is what I had. Closed door secret. Yes. Do you
2: know
0: what that means? I'm still trying to understand.
2: Anybody, anybody have an interpretation for that? Closed door secret? Maybe you can give it to her. Anybody else want to share? Oh, there's a table there. Yep. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff going on in my life. So um, he just said, I'm a granddad, and one of the one-year-old will just lay on my chest. And he's like, hey, just lay on my chest, and I'll do all the work for you and just let it go look at me you know I'll take care of it no, that was something that you were needing to hear yeah. one or two more I saw some other hands yeah. um,
0: I just felt uh, the oneness of being with the Father Son and the Holy Spirit and even as we were pouring out to him earlier it's like let me anoint you and let me pour forth it's like it's a relationship it's not all just giving to him but he is so faithful to give in return and and it's his love yeah
2: all right so now some people have experiences like that and it's like was that real was it not real well if it if it validates the wisdom of God the character of God who he is what he paid for then yeah Jesus is speaking to you. Now, did he manifest and walk in the room? Well, he's always in the room. You know? So some of us analytical-minded people, we rationalize those kinds of things away. And I'm also not suggesting that that's now how you make your standard way of, follow, of hearing God. You know, like, like don't, don't just lean on that. But I kind of did that just to show that like that, without even really much, you just turn your heart to him and he's right there. Now, I like to go into the word, and I'm I'm just telling you, I'm a word guy, I'm a pastor, so I'm always trying to get people to read the Bible. It is shocking to me how little Christians read the Bible. I don't mean little Christians, I mean how little (laughs) Christians read the Bible. Are you with me? Don't raise your hand, don't answer. When's the last time you read a whole book in the Bible? I'm going to give you some homework. Read Colossians this week. Just read it. Just read the whole chapter. Uh, do you guys already have something you're working on right now? I don't want to step on that. Like a, yeah, so read Colossians. And, and, and read it slowly, you know. Read it multiple times this week in different translations. And just sit with it. And just take one word at a time. When You, you know what I'm talking about. When you get in that moment and then all of a sudden, oh, there's something here. Just sit. Just sit within it. Nurture it. And you're not searching for a message from him. You're not even really searching for an interpretation. You're just holding it as a seed of life on the inside of you, even just thinking about it. And, and a true repentant process is to get your thoughts in alignment with the word of God, with the truth. Repentance is not about convincing God how sorry you are. Repentance is changing your mind. And I'm telling you, when you host the written word of God, in your heart, you're hosting the presence of God, and you give it the opportunity to come alive, that will teach you. It will refine you. It will transform you. It'll be your source of wisdom for life. You young people, I'm telling you, man, make it a practice of getting into the Word. And, and it's not about reading an accomplishment. I read, I read my stuff today. It just... Get, it, get in it long enough to where it becomes alive to you. Spark something on the inside of you that, it, that informs your life. And then put it into practice. Anything that you aren't actively seeking to put into practice, you'll lose it. Take a step. Take an action. And then trust that that action, being birthed and informed by the word of God, will produce fruit. And it'll just make a change in your life. Amen? Father, we thank you so much. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you love us. You're not holding our sins against us. You're leading us and guiding us. That we are joined to you. In fact, we are married to you. We are as one with you as Jesus is. Your spirit dwells on the inside of us. We thank you for the opportunity to gather. I speak blessing and life and fruit and growth and provision into this body. I thank you that you have assignments for each person in this room and I thank you that it's not an external pursuit to accomplish a task to justify their existence, but it's a joy that they get to live with you in this life and show people just how good that you are. I thank you for rest, but productive fruit in the lives of every person in this place. I thank you for clarity of vision, for uh, strength and, and just energy and Compassion oozing out of this place. And we just put all of our eyes on you, Jesus. You're the reason we gather. We love you. Jesus, the preeminent one, lifted high above. Thank you, Lord. We open our minds and our hearts to you, to be led by you. We trust you. And just tell him you trust him. I trust you, Lord.
1: Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Man, let's give him a round of applause. Come on. Yeah, I love I love what Clint said here at the last about, um, you know, reading the word. You know, we've talked about this before in the natural. If you go to make a deposit in your bank, you if you don't make a deposit in your bank, you can't make a withdrawal. And spiritually, it's the same way. If you don't make a deposit in your spirit, by going into the Word, when you need it, you won't be able to make a withdrawal. So I, I challenge you to do what Clint said this week. Go to Colossians, read Colossians, and just reread. I, I remember this back in the day, but Kenneth Hagin uh, from Rhema, he said he, would use, he used to take a, just a, a scripture, just one scripture, not a whole passage, but one scripture, and meditate on it for a week. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's how many different facets of God are in one Scripture verse. It just keeps going, keeps going. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, can we get our prayer team up here? Melissa, Stephen, Craig. And, uh, you know, if you guys need any prayer today, hey, we're here for you. If you need uh, healing or if you need agreement about something and to see breakthrough and God do something in your life, We want to pray with you, so other than that, everybody stand up, and uh, man, I just speak blessings over you, speak blessings over your week, and uh, wasn't this rich today? Wasn't this good? So good, so good, so we love you, and uh, we just send you out and say, have a great day, and have a great rest of the week, and expect something good to happen in your lives this week, amen? Amen, love you guys.
0: For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.